And with me is Gail Kirschenbaum, Emmy-winning filmmaker called the Nora Ephron of Documentaries. Gail has turned the camera on herself in her most recently completed feature documentary, Look at Us Now, Mother. It's the transformation of a highly charged mother-daughter relationship from mommy dearest to dear mom. Uh, this is the larger version of her humor short film, My Nose, in which we follow her mother's relentless campaign to get her to have a nose job, which we were actually just discussing uh, during the commercial break. Uh, welcome, Gail. Thanks for being on Talk with Francesca today. Thank you for having me. So you made a film called My Nose, and it's based on your experience with your mother who insisted that at 15 you should get a nose job. I mean, to me, that is so outrageous. And yet you made what was obviously the most difficult relationship into a loving one. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Um, huh. Okay. So, I know. Where do you start? <laughs> yeah. Where do you begin? I, well, let, let's just say when I was born, um, I landed in enemy territory. I was the third after two boys, and you would think she'd be thrilled she had a girl, but she actually thought she was having Gary, a third boy, and uh, she ended up having Gail. So from the minute I came out, she wasn't very happy to see me. And so I knew I didn't do anything wrong. I just arrived. I always say I landed into enemy territory. Wait, you, so, you're saying that you, you at that age, right when you were born, you had the sense that you, you weren't supposed to be there? Well, I, I don't know <laughs> the minute I was born, but I do have memories of infancy, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, yet I have a horrible memory, and I think uh, it's been diagnosed as post-traumatic stress disorder, because when you suffer trauma mm-hmm. in your life, um, that could happen. <gasps> but I do remember... Well, first I thought I was adopted because I was trying to figure out why I was being treated the way I was being treated, and my brothers were loved and adored, and I, obviously I had a Cinderella complex. Mm-hmm. But when I was convinced and, to- and told that I was not and convinced that was the fact, I had to figure out why. I just arrived. I didn't do anything. I just came to this world. So I knew pretty early on, and I'm not saying an infant, but pretty early on, that it wasn't anything I did, that there was something going on in my mom's life and in her past. So as a child, I used to pick my uncle's brain, her brother's, her brother, and go, what happened to mommy when she was little? What happened in your childhood? But, you know, that generation kept things in. Oh, you know, you yes. Dirty laundry. Oh, yes. So there were a lot of skeletons <laughs> in the closet that took decades to come out. But so my issues were not so, yes, I was criticized from head to toe, from the nose to the hair to your body, you name it. Yeah, but it's amazing that you were. my choices, I was arty and dread, I was a hippie, which wasn't, didn't meet with approval. Uh-huh. But I, I realized that um, my wounds were not that my self-esteem was affected, but that I wasn't getting love. And so I, ha- I grew up and still have the scars of, Issues with abandonment and trust. Mm. But to answer your question, um, the fact is um, I was so angry with her. I was so fearful of her in my childhood that I would frequently get sick, like headaches and dizzy spells and nausea. And when I finally got out of the house quite young, I went to university young, and so I wasn't living there Mm. anymore. I came into my own. I found like-minded people, the things she hated about me. My friends love my long, you know, frizzy, curly, hippie hair. Um, but 
I still was carrying this anger and resentment, and I was cast as the scapegoat in the family. That was my role, and, and I was the scapegoat for everything. So I dreaded seeing my family. Every, I dreaded going home to family functions or just seeing them, and constantly had this anger and resentment, and it was affecting everything. It was affecting my relationships. It was affecting everything. So I realized I had to forgive her, but I didn't know how to do it. And it took me decades, and light bulbs went off along the way. Different things happened in my life that helped me essentially reframe how I looked at my mother. Because as soon as I was able to take her off of the pedestal of mother who should love mm-hmm. and adore you, yes. to wounded child who's incapable, I was able to actually understand her and forgive her. And the way I got there was and it took years, was digging up those skeletons, which took many, many years, and started learning about her painful past and her childhood, which she forgot much of, and that's one way of dealing with it. You just forget. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I was literally in uh, genealogy records, vital records, finding relatives really not far on the family tree, like where our grandparents or siblings and her first cousins, all people I never knew existed, and digging up, meeting them, digging up stories for them from them, and putting the puzzle together. And then, of course, you know, on the journey of making this film, so much came out. Oh, Um, yeah. I mean, it's so much crazy making. And, you know, I'm sure there's um, many of our listeners who have more than a passing interest in this topic because um, mother-daughter relationships in and of themselves, um, you know, are they're complicated. They they really are. But then when you have um, a situation like yours and, like you said, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, I don't I don't doubt that one bit because it sounds like there was just a, an incredible amount of sensitivity on your part as I mean, you sound like an incredibly the way you tell the story. So many children would have just pushed it off, I think. And but the fact that you were able to become so aware of so much so early on in life and figure that, you know, hey, this isn't me. It's her. And to just dig what what was it that 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 pushed you in that direction? Was it that incredible sensitivity or curiosity or was it that you really felt that you liked yourself enough that it had to be her and wasn't you? What what was it? So I don't know if you believe in this. I don't know if your listeners do, but I felt, I feel like I came into this world with knowledge already. Mm-hmm. Well, it certainly so sounds it's like it. Essentially, an old soul. Yeah, yes. And was born into, and 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 came in a very sensitive old soul, Mm -hmm. where I felt and saw and see everything till today, which definitely helps you as an artist, but also makes you struggle with emotions. You feel things that other people don't. Into a family that were essentially new souls, so there was something I kind of knew, and and I. This is kind of a funny side note. My family owned a funeral home. My father was a funeral director. Oh, wow. So I didn't grow up over the funeral home. My, my story is not my girl, that movie. Mm-hmm. It was in Brooklyn. I grew up in the suburbs of Long Island. But I grew up seeing dead bodies. I mean, I, we'd go to the fu- family funeral home, and I'd, like, yank my – I was a little kid yanking my dad's jacket. Can you show me a dead body? Oh, know, wow. Go into the room where they would be, you know, ready for showing for families, and he'd open up the coffin and 
I just look at this body. Wow. And I was just curious, but I didn't have any fear about it. So I just came in. Yeah, so, you, you know, the yeah. joke is I saw dead bodies before I had dolls, but I don't know. It's really funny. I remember because <laughs> I'm born in the 50s mm-hmm. that I used to think, oh, when I die, I want to have a friend come to my uh, come to my grave and I'm going to, you know, knock on the coffin in Morse code and tell her, you know, what the afterlife <laughs> is. So bring a bathing suit. It's hot. So, And these are all memories under four. Well, this is when I lived in Queens. So I don't know where it came from. Well, you know, I, I yeah, must have been an old soul. Well, you know, it's really kind of funny because the, the onset of this interview, um, I just had this sense that I was talking to an old soul and I'm not big on all that stuff. I mean, sometimes I'll say, oh, this kid seems like an old soul, but I don't necessarily take it quite that seriously. But there was this intense feeling of this woman's been around for a lot longer than her years. Uh, just You just knew too much too soon. Um, so anyway, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Talk with Francesca, and I'm speaking with Gail Kirschenbaum, and we're discussing her, well, we haven't really even gotten into your documentary, but, um, did your mother, um, ever praise you, or was it always ruthless, shaming, demeaning, and critical? Well, I was born artistic, uh, again, yes into this world with an ability to draw, and so I was doodling and drawing since I was quite young. Yep. She was very proud of that, but that got turned around for me, too, because I then felt like I was working for her. Gail, I need a painting with a still life with these colors for this room. Hey, paint a rabbi with these colors for this room. And it got to a point I just hated painting. Because she wasn't then, giving you creative license. No, I felt artistic, like I was yeah. for her. And yeah. then also, you know, I was journaling and keeping diaries since I was very young, and in these diaries I would doodle and draw and, you know, these are personal. I'd come home from school and find them out on my bed, and I'd go, what are they do? You know, she would search my room. <laughs> there was no privacy, and they would be out there. And she goes, oh, I was showing your drawings to my friends, and I was so livid by this. It was such an invasion of privacy. I remember saying to her, I'm going to put a naked picture of you in the middle of it. <laughs> you know? Oh, but, gosh. She's, yeah. a, she's a tough mother. Now, she's alive still, right? Oh, my God. She's a force to be reckoned with. She's turning 92, and you would never, ever know. Never. So, oh, well, kudos to you for wanting to crack open your mother's uh, brittle shell. Um, and, and kudos to her for being willing to participate in the process of uncovering, obviously, shocking family secrets. Uh, I really think you're you're so fortunate that your mother was willing to go on this journey with you. So let's shift um, here a little bit and talk about that. How? Because obviously, I, I'm not going to even ask you if you think forgiveness is um, even possible, because it sounds like you clearly have made amends with your mother. So let's share that story with us. Well, yes, I, I want to um, respond to your comment about my, the kudos to my mother. I, I couldn't have done this without her. I, I couldn't be who I am without the childhood I had. So first of all, I need to thank my mother for her willingness to come along on this emotional journey, which most people would not. Um, also, she's a very funny person. She wasn't when I grew up, but she's brilliant. I can go on and brag about her. I mean, she's a brilliant person. She's a laugh a minute. Um, she could talk about any topic. And then also for the childhood I had, because it sounds crazy to say thank you for this childhood, which was filled with adversity. But if I didn't, if I, if I didn't face all that adversity, 
I wouldn't have figured things out and learned how to transform this relationship and essentially develop tools that I use for anybody who's difficult that I can now teach other people. So I'm actually grateful for all of the above. And she's a blast. So, in fact, not only did I forgive her, we have become really close friends. When my father died in 2006, uh, one of my movies was invited to France, and she said, I want to come with you. And I was like, you do? Uh, and it was our first trip together. I go, oh, no. I, well, I saw the documentary. In, in It's fabulous. It's absolutely oh, fabulous. Thank you. Were you ever afraid of confronting your mother and fear that it would destroy the relationship? I mean, when, especially, you know, when I think of a, a strong, sort of demeaning, cruel, difficult mother, I, you know, I, I envision, you know, even any kind of confrontation, because I'm sure that you, as you were growing up, you were confronting her in a variety of different ways. And I would venture to guess that she always would squelch that very, uh, you know, energy to, to address her. So how did you get that courage to really confront her without fearing that you would destroy it? Because even though we don't necessarily want sometimes a relationship, uh, you know, with a parent, it's especially mother-daughter. I think it's even more powerful than a a, a daughter. Well, I need to give my mother once again kudos here because she is an extremely confrontive person and and I and first of all I don't know if it's cultural we're jewish and she's completely like in your face she has no censor she says what's on her mind in fact one of her friends says it and it's in the film what's on her lung is on her tongue so <laughs> I like um, that <laughs> yes it's very funny and so i'm and, you know, and the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So I learned all her tricks. You know, I'm mm-hmm. very open. I could put a knife in if I need to and turn it. So there was never any issue. When I went away to college and I was at the end of my 16th year, I remember I got a letter. This is in the letter writing days. And she, we wrote many letters. And in her letters, she wrote me. I think I shared with her I had some, like, female issue, and she took it, like, into, you know, into a horrible place like she always did and accused me of a million things. And she wrote me a letter saying I was her product. She produced me, and I'm destroying it. <gasps> There's a little warped sense of how she looked at me. But the good news is that we, um, yeah, we, we no, it, I was never really fearful. I w- when I grew up, I was very afraid of her because her punishment was, the worst thing was humiliation. I mean, there was physical oh. abuse, but those scars just fade away. Yeah. But humiliation is really devastating. It, absolutely. But, um, yeah, as soon as I got out of that, you know, that scary place, that, that place I grew up in where there, even my room wasn't a safe place because she barged in and broke in and had my, whatever. As soon as I went away and I wasn't living with her anymore, I... I I built up my strength. And, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, been brought I to you by- some, and I just wrote a blog that's going to be in a paper that I don't even think I've ever shared with anybody because it's horrible to think as a child you would think this way. They used to take vacations, and our grandparents would stay with us, and Mom would always, like, show us where, you know, the jewelry stash, she was hiding things in the house, <clears throat> you know. Why? In case we were burglarized. Excuse oh. me. <clears throat> And I remember having this thought that if the plane, this is really horrible, if the plane crashed, 
and they died, I would be free. Now, that's pretty sick to think that as a child you would wish that. And I remember in a moment, I don't know, it was probably in college, or I was out of college by 20. I was either 20 or soon after then in a a moment of being high, and I told her that I had wished this, and it was fine. I mean, it's like I could tell her anything. And that's a pretty, you know, I don't think that's a very good thought to have. Mm-mm. But, yeah, it is a remarkable story, a transformation. And, I, and, and my mission is to help people do the same because, as you said, the mother-daughter relationship is the most highly charged and the most important. So one word could turn it around. But I have these steps these seven steps and these tools, how you can turn it around. Oh, it wow. Takes, Share some of those with us. How you, some, some... Well, you need to first understand who your, who your um, abuser is and who your mom is and who that person is. So I always say, dig in, you know, find out whatever you could find out. Um, dig into the past. If you find you can't, get any information, then you have to just come to an assumption that they are wounded, that they suffered in their childhood. And also get a support system. Realize you're not alone because you're not alone. Everybody has a story. Believe me, every single person has a story. Well, exactly. Um, But I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's it. And then once you could change how you look at your mom and t- even if they loved and adored your brothers or your siblings, because, you know, people can grow up, children can grow up in the same family and have a completely different childhood and be treated completely different well, than their siblings. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a big difference. I mean, I, I come from a family of eight children, and, I mean, the the difference between my oldest brother and my youngest brother, I mean, is, I don't even know how many years, 20-something years, and they're completely two entirely different people, both wonderful, but just just different. I mean, where, you know, where they I do believe where you grow up in the family, uh, what was going on in, in your uh, parents lives make a huge difference. You know, so you had two brothers, you said, and, and you were the only girl. Right. Did, did it ever occur to you that? It, or did your mother ever sort of push it off as um, I only wanted the best for you and, and you know, that kind of thing? I'm doing this because I love you. I want you to be loved. Therefore, I want you to have a nose job because you'll never get a guy if you don't. You know, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. In, well, in my film, all, all of this is addressed because she, we definitely go, we go to visit uh, a couple of therapists. And many things come up in it. And... Um, not just her past, but the culture I come from, mm-hmm. the generation that I'm born into and her generation, essentially the generation gap, the same gender competition. So there's many levels here. And, and one could say, well, she was trying to live her life through me. I mean, mm-hmm. I well, mothers do. Oftentimes that, mothers do. Well, you know. I mean, many mothers live our... And our mothers did not have the opportunities. They were the housewives of the 50s and the 60s. And they didn't have the opportunities that my generation has had. And I have a girlfriend that went to Wellesley, and she told me out of her group of 10 friends, three of their mothers committed suicide, which is horrible. 
It's like their daughters have these opportunities that they couldn't have. And right. my mother's quite a brilliant person, and she didn't have an opportunity to go to university. She did what she was supposed to. She got married young. She didn't even think about it. You have children. She just did as that generation did. So I think there's a lot of women of that generation that had very unexpressed lives, and suddenly they give birth to daughters who are doing things they wish they could have, that they didn't. And some women embrace it and help them, and other mothers are jealous of it. Absolutely. Oh, I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, so, Gail, what, so you're, you have a great relationship now with your mother. Does she ever push your buttons? It's so funny. Um, I, mean, I just can't. I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking, this is such a great story, um, but I can't help but think... You know, I mean, it takes years, sometimes a lifetime of therapy for people to make um, shifts. And especially at the age that your mom and you, um, you know, were talking to therapists, how much of a shift could she actually have made? I mean, was she really able to understand and um, and embrace where you were coming from and and let go of triggering you? Uh, I wouldn't say the work was done on her end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I didn't think so. But okay. I, I, um, I shifted how I looked at her. I shifted uh, how I looked at her, and hence when the little digs and the little and the insults yeah. come came through and come through. Yeah. They just bounce off, and when they bounce off, she sees how ineffective they are. So Got it. Yep. What's the point of saying them? <laughs> so this is what I tell. Um, I, we interviewed a lot of women because we're eventually, you know, we're building this movement triggered by the film, mm-hmm. which is focused on forgiveness and healing between mothers and daughters. And we're going to launch one of the things we're launching is drama with mama. Oh, people, wow. Yeah. Where people do their own video, kind of like the moth slam, like a word slam. And, you know, in five minutes, tell your mother's story and upload it to YouTube and we'll have a competition and stuff because everybody's got a story. Oh, they certainly do. Myself included. (laughs) I said myself included and my four sisters. But (laughs) you know, I hear the stories after the film. They come in emails. I mean, because I'm open and my film is really revealing. People are just Mm. like, oh, wow. Okay, thank you. Let me tell you my story. But what I was going to say is, and then we're going to have a podcast series where I'm in conversation with other other people who want to share their stories and everything from, you know, household names to, you know, Whoever. So while we were sort of pre-interviewing people who also had stories of a mean mother, also baby boomers, um, one thing I found common, and a lot of these women have written their books, they've done their memoirs, do their solo shows, is that they haven't forgiven their mother, Mm. who could be long dead, by the way, because they say their mother never said they were sorry and and never acknowledge they did anything wrong. And I'm and I say to them, you're like asking Stevie Wonder to drive a race car. Yeah. They're so unaware. Yeah, you I, I right. have to forgive them. You do it for yourself, and yeah. that's how I teach people. You reframe how you look at them. Once you can, 
It's like if you had, I, in fact, I never married and didn't have children, so I don't have children of my own. But I tell people, if you had a little kid and your little child came to you and said, Mommy, I don't love you anymore, what would you do? You're going to bend down and give your kid a hug and a kiss because you know they're yearning for love. So when your mother says you're fat, you're stupid, you're ugly, your hair looks terrible, She's a little kid. She needs a hug. Mm-hmm. Change how you look at her. Exactly. Well, you know, it, one of um, my favorite um, expressions that one of my uh, friends always says, but it doesn't seem to stop her from, from doing it, but she always chooses the wrong guy. And she always says, I don't know why I keep looking for bananas in Meineke. <laughs> At Meineke, you know, it's like, I don't know why you do either. Uh, (laughs) But I mean, there's a lot of, you know, I mean, if you could just, you know, stop for a minute. But I mean, the triggers are, are, you know, painful and also depending on the kind of personality that you have, Um, you know, I mean, can really make a difference, too, in in that whole um, process of healing. But I really... um, I can't tell you how much I truly um, enjoyed the documentary. I really, really thought it was fabulous. Well, thank you. So do you know, this is one moment, if you don't mind me sharing this. No, 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 I don't. We have just a minute left, so do. We do. Well, we are launching a Kickstarter campaign on September 9th because we the film is, we just got two awards last week. We got an audience award and a grand jury. We're in the festival circuit, and it's doing amazing. It's selling out. If I'm there, it's not unusual. We have a standing ovation. People are asking mom for her autograph, so I joke uh. I created a monster. Oh. But, um, <laughs> Great. We are launching a campaign to get the movie out and build our movement. So if people, if you can put it out there, our website, and people can sign up for our newsletter and go to our Facebook page because this is, our effort is to help people and to create global change because if we can get, we're focusing on women here, if we can get women who are wounded to forgive then this will create change because it's going to live, it empowers you. Once you set yourself free, because when you don't forgive and you hold that anger and resentment, Ugh. that's mental bondage. It really is. is. All your relationships. So we want to, our mission is to liberate women from those dark thoughts and, and give them the ability and teach them how to forgive so then they can do other great things in life and not be burdened with with all that negativity, which also affects your health and everything. Absolutely. Gail, real quick, um, before we say goodbye, um, what is your website? And please spell out your name for our listeners. Okay, so the website is lookatusnowmother.com. Again, lookatusnowmother.com. Okay. And you want me to spell my name? Um, yes. It's Gail with a Y. I could spell it. Yes, Gail with a Y. Okay. All right. So G-A-Y-L-E and Kirschenbaum is K-I-R-S-C-H-E-N-B-A-U-M. Okay. But you don't have a website with your name on it. It's uh, Look at Us Now. Uh, there is one. That one's a little dated. We, You know, we're also TV producers. So we have uh, Kirshenbaum Productions is the main site, but we I have to say we've been so focused on this project, and we're starting a non-for-profit, and we're bringing thought leaders together. So, yeah, if any of your listeners want to come on board and help, we're bringing people together and building a community. We need lots of help. You know, right. We need social media, whatever. We're working away, but we're blessed with these thought leaders that are joining with us. So we're very excited. All right, great. Thanks. Gail Kirschenbaum, thank you so much for being on Talk with Francesca this morning. It's been fabulous. 
Thank you so much for having me. Okay. All right. It's time to wrap things up. We've got to say goodbye. Hope you enjoyed the show and love to hear from you with your comments or questions. Remember the website address is talkwithfrancesca.com. See you next week. Same time, same place. Make it a great week. 